South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, October 31st, 2022. A senior member of the Seven Days Adventist Church says a lawmaker at South Sudan's national parliament ordered the burning of a church in Warab State. These incidents are happening only in Apu. We are now almost having more than five churches burned up. And health officials in South Sudan have lifted COVID-19 restrictions. But also our epidemiological situation indicates that um, it is time uh, we ease uh, some of those um, public health and social measures. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. South Sudan's National Task Force on COVID-19 has waived COVID restrictions across the country. The head of the preventive health services at South Sudan's Ministry of Health says there are low cases of the virus in the country. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Dr. John Rumono, Director General for Preventive Health Services, says preventive measures, including wearing of face masks, have been lifted. But Dr. Rumono says people or institutions that plan to organize large events should still seek approval from government authorities first. Rumono says inbound and outbound travelers are now being subjected to present mandatory vaccination certificate of COVID-19 at ports of entry and exit, and those without vaccination certificates will be required to present a negative PCR test. He says these decisions were made by the National Task Force on COVID-19 during a recent meeting. The uh, National Task Force for COVID-19 directed uh, state's authorities to ensure that people working in public places like restaurants, hotels and others and um, public sector to be vaccinated. That's also new. Dr. Romono says the measures in place now are consistent with those happening globally and regionally. We want to be um, in sync with what's happening in the region, but also our epidemiological situation indicates that um, it is time uh, we ease uh, some of those um, uh, 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 public health and social measures. Brendan Dinin, the World Healthy Organization COVAX coordinator in South Sudan, says the trend indicates a reduction in COVID-19 cases and deaths worldwide. Both cases and deaths have decreased globally in terms of the number of cases that we have seen in the last week. They've decreased by 15% from the previous, and that quantity is 2.6 million new cases. Unfortunately, Dinin says deaths from COVID-19 are still occurring globally. Dinin says vaccinations against COVID-19 are still ongoing across South Sudan. He says 2,094,202 people were fully vaccinated across the country at last count.
He says partner agencies are stepping up efforts to boost the vaccinations across 605 payams across the country for people who have not received the vaccine. We're planning, in other words, planning and training. The funding is in place, the planning, detailed planning, how many vehicles, how many teams, how many vaccinators. All of that is, has been uh, outlined by county, by partner, uh, by location. And we began the training last week for developing at the level of the Payam within counties. Since the COVID-19 outbreak in South Sudan two years ago, Dr. Romono says the Ministry of Health has registered 18,313 cases, including 138 deaths. He says the number of COVID-19 cases has dropped significantly since that time, adding that out of 100 tests conducted today, chances are high not a single case will come back positive. For VNOs, I'm Waki Simon Wudo in Juba. A senior member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Sudan is condemning the actions of a national member of parliament who allegedly ordered young men to set a church on fire. The governor of Warap State has ordered an investigation into the incident. Dengai Deng has more for VOA from Bor. In a video being widely shared on social media, Salfa Matok, the former National Minister for Interior, who is also a National MP representing Gogrial East County, is seen confirming that he ordered young men to set a Seventh-day Adventist church on fire, accusing it of destroying traditional shrines and promoting immorality. Pastor Daniel Maraj, the Director of Communication and Public Relations at the Greater Bahar el-Ghazal field of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, says a group of armed young men, some dressed in military uniforms, invaded the church compound in Akira Bok village of Gorial East County. Pastor Maraj says the men burned the church and all of its contents to ashes. These incidents are happening only in a we are now almost having more than five churches burned up. And we were wondering, asking who is behind this? And now we discovered somebody who is behind this burning, burning all these churches is none other than this MP. He was the one sending people, he was the one doing all these things, and now he declared himself that to ban. We are respecting our communities, we are respecting. The government, we are respecting the, the, the constitution of South Sudan, uh, which is uh, uh, always talking about the freedom of worship. We are respecting everybody, so we don't ban the shrine by force. We are not encouraging the immorality. Pastor Marai says Thursday's church burning marks the sixth attack against Seventh-day Adventist churches in Warab State since 2018. Marai is urging state and national governments to intervene and hold those responsible accountable. So we are appealing to them that they should protect us and they should talk to our some communities who did not understand the religion. Also, so that they, 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 they will respect themselves. They will respect our church and we will respect them. To the national government, uh, I think they are already aware. They are already aware. We, are, we need them to address the situation. So it's just for them to intervene and help us and protect us and advise 
these individualists who are working in the government not to take a decision by their own way and use the powers that government gave it to them so that they can come and use it against the church, against the community, against the innocent people. What have State Information Minister William Wall condemned the incident, saying South Sudan is a secular state and there is freedom of worship. He says the church banning prompted Governor Alewa Yen Alew to order an investigation. Uh, the government of Warabi State actually decided to send in a committee uh, to investigate uh, what uh, was actually the root cause, or uh, what were the root causes of uh, Honorable MP to burn down the church at the Bantis Church. Because it is not the only church that is there, there are other congregations and or churches uh, that are actually operating in Gorealis, uh, but only a seven-day Adventist Wall edges the Seventh-day Adventist Church congregation and the wider community in the state as Governor Aleu's task force investigates the issue, saying if the committee finds that MP Salpamatok was responsible, state officials will recommend the National Assembly take necessary legal action against the lawmaker. If it is found against uh, the Honorable MP, it would also be a sort of consistent of Governor to inform the, the administration or the National Assembly on the incident that had happened, that it is against the law. If it is also against the church, we will also uh, involve the church leaders on the incident that the church is committing at the, at the scene or at the, at the community level. This is my message. They have to remain calm so that the investigation is out within seven days. In seven days, Wall says the task force is to report its finding to the Council of Ministers. Efforts to reach Matok for comment were unsuccessful as his phone's numbers were switched off. It is unclear when Matok was recorded in the video circulating on social media, but in it, Matok said the church was preaching contrary to the community's traditions, misleading members of the community to abandon their moral ways of living. The video sparked public condemnation with some people calling on the National Assembly to take immediate action against Matok. Article 23 of the 2011 South Sudan Transitional Constitution grants religious rights and freedoms, including the right to worship and assemble in connection with any religion or belief and to establish places for worship. It also grants the rights to establish appropriate faith-based charities or humanitarian institutions. Despite the law, churches in South Sudan have been attacked and their leaders either arrested or deported if found to be foreign nationals. In November last year, a group of young people stormed the compound of a Seventh-day Adventist church in Toy North County and burned it to the ground. Last year, the founder and leader of the Kut Church, Prophet Abraham Chol, was arrested and remanded to Juba Central Prison for court, inciting and trying to topple the government in court. The court was set to rule in this case. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. The UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, says millions of people are suffering from devastating floods across West and Central Africa, a region experiencing conflict, instability and destitution. 
For VOA News, Lisa Schlein has more from Geneva. UNHCR said more than two months of heavy flooding, some of the worst in a decade, has displaced more than 3.4 million people in Nigeria, Chad, Niger, Burkina Faso, Mali, and Cameroon. The UN agency said northeast Nigerian flooding has affected nearly 3 million people, killed hundreds, and displaced over 1.3 million. The floodwaters, it said, have swept through areas sheltered more than 2 million people who have fled fighting by Boko Haram militants in Borno, Adamawa, and Yobe states. UNHCR spokeswoman Olga Serrado said Chad declared a state of emergency after floods affected more than 1 million people there. She said rivers have overflowed their banks, submerging fields, killing livestock, and forcing more than 90,000 people to flee their homes. In the countries of Central Sahel, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Mali, uh, above average rains and flooding have killed hundreds, displaced thousands, and decimated over one million hectares of cropland. Worsening climate shocks in the Sahel in particular have fueled droughts and flooding, lower COP yields, and contributed to a general deterioration in public services for one of the world's worst displacement crises. The UNHCR said armed groups spreading terror and fear in the region, as well as poverty and inequality, have led nearly 5 million people in the Sahel to flee their homes. Nearly 3 million of those, it said, remain inside their countries, while the others have fled to neighboring countries. The agency said the climate crisis is destroying livelihoods, disrupting food security, aggravating conflicts over scarce resources, and driving more people from their homes. Serrato called for more support for those on the front lines of the climate crisis to help them deal with the consequences. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, politicians in America gear up for midterm elections. Find out how after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What is your golden rule in life? My golden rule is never to give up, no matter what, uh, whether it's on family challenges, money problems, work-related, I just never give up. Golden rule. No, I don't, I don't, like, I don't allow men to play with my life. That is my golden rule. And I don't allow anyone to talk ill about my parents and my family. Put good first because in everything you need good. And, the, and the, as you know, the feeling of God is the, is, the, is, the, is the beginning of knowledge. Not to lie. I always want to base my living, everything I do, my speaking, my saying in facts and truth. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Pivotal 2022 midterm elections in the United States are just over a week away. The November 8 polls will determine if Democrats maintain their majority or if Republicans seize power in the House of Representatives and Senate. Several domestic issues, including the future of reproductive rights, are on the minds of many voters. Arab Sati reports for VOA. 
Early voting is underway across most of the United States ahead of the November 8th midterm elections. This past week, President Joe Biden and his granddaughter Natalie cast their ballots in the president's home state of Delaware. Most states are considered safe for incumbents, leaving only a handful of true swing states that will determine the balance of power in Washington. Georgia is among those states where incumbent Democratic Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock is in a tight race with former football star Herschel Walker. As in many races this year, abortion access looms large. On abortion, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in life. And I tell people this, Georgia is a state that respects life. And I'll be a senator that, that protects life. Two women have accused Walker of paying for them to have the procedure. Meanwhile, Warnock says the government doesn't need to take part in that decision-making process. The patient's room is too narrow and small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. We are witnessing right now what happens when politicians, most of, most of them men, Pile into patients' rooms. Democrats fear Georgia is slipping away as an open microphone recently caught Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer telling President Biden the party is in danger of losing the seat. Republican leaders say they like their odds of taking power. Democrats say a right to abortion access, which the Republican Party broadly opposes over a range of circumstances, will drive voters to the polls and help keep their party in power. Historically, a sitting president's party loses dozens of seats in the House of Representatives and a handful in the Senate, enough to shift the balance of power in Washington if the trend continues in the midterm elections. Arash Arbasadi, VOA News. In Malawi, the Action Against Impunity, a coalition comprising human rights defenders, civil society organizations, opposition political parties and labor unions, is demanding the unconditional release of its members arrested during Friday's anti-government protest in the capital Lilongwe. Sylvester Namiwa is executive director of the Center for Democracy and Economic Development Initiatives, one of the organizers of the protest. He tells VOA's James Batty the government should release those detained, including protest leader Joshua Chisa. We are demanding immediate and unconditional release of uh, Joshua Chisambere and uh, the rest of the unarmed protesters that took into the streets to protest against the rampant corruption, institutionalized incompetence and outright incompetence and uh, arrogance on the part of uh, the ruling elite. It is surprising that uh, they had to assault all the 30 uh, peaceful uh, protesters. Mind you, this is the same police that is known for the song that they don't have adequate resources to carry out their day-to-day endeavors in trying to make Malawi a safer place for the lives of Malawians and their property. But this time around, we moved in swiftly to arrest these people, not only arresting them, but assaulting them uh, to an extent that Joshua Chisambere, the lead organizer, had his phone damaged. Let me ask you, please. There have been these demonstrations all over Malawi. Now, what do you say to some Malawians who say you need to give the president a chance to fulfill his promise to the people, what he said he would do? And what do you also say to people who say that the demonstrations are causing property damage? If there is a time when Malawians witness demonstrations that damage the root of property and lives of Malawians, 
it was during the time when Donaldson Tokira and his alliance government were in opposition. And one of those people that was known for these destructive demonstrations has been rewarded by a ministerial position. Now, uh, today to say that the demonstrations are destructive, it smacks high-level hypocrisy. At the same time, if it were that, things were okay. If it were that, the Malawians, they are being governed the way they expected. Malawians could not have been flooding the streets. Every time when the people are going to protest, it means there is an issue. We have put a grievance. That was Silvestro Namiwa, Executive Director of the Center for Democracy and Economic Development Initiatives. He was speaking to viewers James Batty. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. When it comes to climate change, Africa is broadly considered the most vulnerable continent, warming faster than the rest of the world. We're heading straight off a climate cliff, said UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Africa barely contributes to global greenhouse gas emissions, yet it is paying an outsized price. Indeed, Africa is home to 17 of the world's 20 most climate vulnerable countries, as the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said at the UN in October 2022. Climate change threatens the lives and livelihoods of millions of Africans. It exacerbates displacement and chronic underdevelopment in countries that already face economic governance and security vulnerabilities. And it is a key driver of food insecurity across the continent. Climate change means shorter growing seasons for farmers, which means smaller annual yields. This has reduced agricultural productivity growth by up to 40% in sub-Saharan Africa, 40%. Climate change is a global challenge that requires urgent action, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. And of course, it's a challenge that requires all of us to advance sustainable, clean policies in our own countries. That's because we know that the consequences of climate change are key drivers of conflict. When areas experiencing conflict or insecurity meet dwindling food supply and economic insecurity, the risk of violence goes up. And droughts, floods, fires, and severe weather are making food and economic crisis even more dire and peacekeeping operations in complex environments even more dangerous. These trends, along with rising political violence, conflict and insecurity, leave families with impossible choices as they struggle to put food on the table, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. That's why the United States, through the Feed the Future initiative, has committed to investing more than $5 billion over five years to strengthen global food security and nutrition. Sixteen of the Feed the Future's target countries are in Africa, and this initiative will help African communities and farmers better mitigate and adapt to scalable, sustainable, climate-smart agricultural methods. At the same time, we're working to help a half a billion people in developing countries adapt to and manage the impacts of changing climate through our PREPARE initiative. Let us renew our commitment to work together to unlock a resilient, sustainable, clean energy economy, said Ambassador Thomas Greenfield, one that enables Africa with its ample resources and dynamism to mitigate the impact of the climate crisis. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. This is a message in the public interest 
from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands with soap and water or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa Center for Disease Control. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA Health Correspondent Linor Moudou. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family, can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. That's all we prepared for this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Beledi by Mawa.
Listening to Mawa and the song Beledi. I'm your host, John Tanz in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Yeah,